I want shot-by-shot remakes of all of Nicolas Cage's films, but starring the cast of Glee. <laughs> I'm not behind that one. <laughs> I gotta tell you. Hi, Gregory. Hi, Thomas. How are you? You were asking people... What is your opinion An of the actor, actor Nicholas Cage? C A G E F I G A. Don't be looking at her too hard now. G. This is a very different and weird question. Oh my god! I really like how he doesn't seem to give a fuck what anyone thinks about him. <laughs> this is Cage Fight, and I think that's kind of badass. Welcome to Cage Fight. I'm gonna drink me a beer. Hello everybody, welcome. We've returned, we are here. I am here, you are here, Tom is here, but you don't know Tom yet, I'll let you know who he is and in a minute he'll tell you who he is. It's Cage Fight, isn't it? Hello, my name is Gregory Ackerman. I am famous uh, in the D&D community. I was almost famous in the D&D community once, but I burnt some bridges. But I am not alone. Who is with me to join me in burning some bridges? I am Thomas Burnbridger. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that is what they call me. And and who are you, Thomas? What what what, what sort of brings you here? Well, see, I'm here today to talk about two Nicolas Cage films. One that I watched, one that you watched. Correct. And we're going to figure out which one of these we enjoyed more. Exactly. It's it's going to be particularly exciting as uh, with this one. Correct me if I'm wrong, but you have only watched one of the two, and I have only watched one of the two. Ooh, excellent. Yes, that is very true. This is going to be fantastic. And what are those two films, Thomas? So we got the one that I watched, Season of the Witch, and the one that you watched, Knowing. Exactly. Which, uh, not too much of a spoiler, but I'll let you know right at the top, this was a different film to the one I thought it was going to be. So, oh, nice. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought knowing was the one where I've seen a clip of it where he's in a casino and he's being chased, but he can see like two minutes into the future all the time. So he keeps on <laughs> getting away. I thought it was that one because I'm excited. That's to... Electra, sir. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, go ahead. Tell me about knowing. Okay, let's, let's start with n- knowing. This is, uh, I think, the quickest way to describe this movie is you know the mothman prophecies i'm aware is it's that really it's like that simple yeah we start in the 50s there is a school with one weird girl who's sort of like staring at the sun and there's kinds of whispers going on in and around her head and she starts scrawling down tons and tons of numbers on a bit of paper and the teacher goes hey we're gonna make a time capsule and in 50 years it'll be opened so draw a picture of what you think the future's like and everyone's drawing spacemen and aliens and rocket ships and travelators and things like that and probably describing how the game show gladiators will work or next american ninja and all these things and and this one girl's just scribbling and scribbling all these numbers and the teacher's like hey i told you to do a picture you're writing numbers you're crazy kid you're crazy but they take all these things put them in envelopes put them in the time capsule bury that underneath the school and then that same little girl is found in a cupboard with her fingers bleeding because she's scratching more numbers in the wall 
we cut 50 mm. years into the future. Nicolas Cage is there. He's a professor of cosmology. Uh, he just goes on hinting that the whole film is just a metaphor for grief because there aren't enough fucking movies that are metaphors for grief. Because his wife died and he's sad because obviously, but he's a teacher and going mm. like, hey kids, shit happens. I don't believe in determinism because determinism is rubbish and really everything's random. And his kid, turns out it goes to the school where the time capsule was buried 50 years earlier so he gets to see the time capsule be opened and his kid gets the piece of paper with all the numbers scrawled up turns out these are dates and numbers of people who are going to die and coordinates of where the event's going to happen Nicolas Cage goes mm. crazy going I can see the future like oh, I've gone through all these things and oh my god goodness all of these atrocities happened and all of these people died wait there's three things that that ha the dates haven't happened yet and they're happening within the next couple of w weeks oh my god meanwhile on the news we hear that the uh, sun is going crazy and there'll be a massive solar flare which probably won't be anything serious but it might knock out like mobile phone signal but don't worry that won't come back later in the film at pivotal moments during the plot then we get Nicolas Cage running over, speaking to his other professor friends, going, you gotta help me! And them going, you're nuts, you can't see into the future, this is bizarre. He meets a lady who turns out is the daughter of the woman who scratched her fingers until uh, they were bleeding uh, 50 years ago in the school. He meets her daughter and she's like, you're crazy, you're following me. Actually, my mum was mental and I, I, I always knew she was mental, so let's get together and try and save what's going to happen. Nicolas Cage goes to all these events that are prophesized. He watches them. He knows he can't change anything. Meanwhile, his son starts talking about having voices in his head. These voices are angels. The angels are telling his son that the world's going to end because the solar flare is going to eat the entire planet. The end of the film goes mental in the wonderful way where we find out the world is actually ending. Angels from heaven have chosen his son to be saved, but Nicolas Cage will not be saved. The angels come down, get his son, take him up into heaven. Then the world ends. The end. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Didn't see that coming. No, I don't think anyone did. And when I was reading up about it... None of the reviewers saw that coming. All of the reviewers going like, well, this is quite, you know, it's a silly, fun film, but holy shit, that ending is stupid. Because the ending is stupid. Actual angels Act come in. Yep. Not a metaphor. Not not like, uh, oh, are they <laughs> angels or are they... No, it's, it, it's essentially, if you're familiar with the book of Ezekiel from off of Bible, and if you're familiar with Mothman prophecies, it's that. It's those stories sort of mashed together. And... It's, uh, it's weird, because most of the film is sort of popcorn, silly, schlocky action, right? But mm. you see a couple of disasters take place, and they're strangely horrific. Like, one is just a, a car crash. Like, there's a car crash, and then a plane crashes into the road, uh, and people get set on fire. And you've got really explicit scenes of people running around on fire, screaming in agony and falling down and weeping. And it spends a lot of time showing you this. And then goes back to schlocky action with Nick Cage running and <clears throat> most of the supporting characters being, you know, just 
fine TV movie level quality acting and everything's alright, but it seems like the sort of film you'd show to anyone of any age at about two in the afternoon. Uh, but then you see another thing where a tube train, sorry, um, a, uh, what do you call tube trains? A subway uh, sort of crashes into people, killing them. And you see these people get crushed and ripped in half and quite, a, it, it's a bizarre, it's bizarre choices how they make certain bits of it incredibly explicit and the rest of it just so daytime movie. Hmm. Wow, that's uh Hmm. It's so crazy how that ties pretty well into basically what season of the witch is. Okay, well, go go through season of the witch. Let's jump back and forth on this one rather than uh, sure. split it in half. So let, let, I haven't seen it. I watched the trailer, and when I watched the trailer, I because I saw the the picture, the poster for it, and thought I've never been less interested in, in a movie in my life. <laughs> I wa- yeah, watched I, the trailer, you, and then it's like, oh shit, I want to see this. Okay, so I agree with you. I I had the exact same feelings, mm. and I was again the the poster was like, Ugh, and then the trailer was like, oh, this could be interesting, right? This could be a fun film. So essentially, we start in the pre crusade times. Uh, three women get hanged for being witches. One of them turns out to be some some sort of something and kills a priest. <laughs> Fast forward. And it's crusade times, and mm. Ron Perlman and Nicolas Cage are two crusade buddies, and they're killing lots of people, and there's a bunch of, like, Christian rhetoric being screamed out, like, over the war, mm. and it's basically montage and montage of uh, Nicolas Cage and Ron Perlman killing people until a moment arrives where Nicolas Cage stabs a woman, and he's like, oh shit, this is not what I signed up for. So him and Ron Perlman abandon the war. They come across some plagued people Mm. and they're like, oh, this is weird. Set the house on fire. Let's move on. They come across a city where they eventually get noticed and arrested. Mm -hmm. And the cardinal of the city is like played by Christopher Lee, by the way. I don't know how they snagged that dude, but they did. (laughs) And, uh, He's like, oh, I'm all plagued up, dude. Can you take this witch, who we're pretty sure started all this, and can you take her to this abbey where they're going to, like, you know, fix this whole plague problem? And again, like, Nicolas Cage is like, ugh, I don't know. Like, I don't trust the church anymore. She looks innocent. But yeah, we'll fuck it. We'll do it. You know, I'm going to stick around to make sure she gets a fair trial. So they, him... Ron Perlman, an altar boy, a preacher, and a merchant who knows the way, who actually has a Boston accent. In the crusade times, like 1300 whatever, like has a straight up Boston accent just to get across to the audience that this guy's sneaky. (laughs) That's the film. That's the language of the film. Um, (laughs) Very bad. So uh, they go, they all get this witch woman and they're going to transport her to the abbey and to just shortcut it like uh there are moments throughout the film where you're like "Mm, this woman is uh she's a little too strong 
<laughs> for a woman. And I don't mean that in a sexist way. I mean that as like a human being. Right. Like, I see. She is too strong for a human being. I was thinking for a moment, well, this is, I mean, I mean, you know, it's not like this is a political podcast or anything, but often, if you had to guess, we seem to be kind of on the right side of the, as, as in on the correct side, not as on the right, so on the <laughs> correct side, side yes. of things, and like, we seem kind of right on, and then out of nowhere, fuck women, they are Fucking weak. misogyny, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just out of nowhere, misogyny. Uh, but yeah, like, that's like, kind of like, the so the movie does like this huge bait and switch like kind of doubled over right like uh, um initially it's like oh it's this is just dumb crusade bullshit but actually this one could actually be the real deal and it turns out yes it's a real <laughs> deal like but um here's another twist it, she's not actually a, a witch she's being possessed by a demon oh. and the demon did all this stuff on purpose to get to the abbey in order to destroy a special book, because in the Abbey, they were creating like loads of copies of this book. Mm. Book is really bad for demons. It has rituals that kills demons and other bullshit. Oh, shit. So that was its plan all along. Okay. So everyone dies trying to stop the demon, except for the altar boy. The, the demon dies, releases the woman, and they're the only two survivors and they leave. <laughs> Um, there's a, there's narration from the woman about how like the plague is went away and she's going to tell the story of these guys and shit, but like, that's it. Okay. And just, just so you know, uh, the crusades were about 1000 to 1200, uh, CE Boston was founded in 1630. Um, so So it lines up. Yeah. It tracks. (laughs) So it's between six and 400 years early that accent or maybe the boston accent is actually a crusade witchy accent which has since been in, been moved over to mm. to washington which i believe is what the boston accent sounds like <laughs> yikes but um that that actually sounds like lovingly mental and really 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 charming and and these two films are very religious well, you know they're they're not necessarily yes. religious, but they're they're about religion. They're religions. The whole thing is religious context, yeah. And like Thingy was really uh, left behind was very really. He does weird things, whereas he and he refuses to actually answer any religion connected questions. Uh, Nicholas Cage. So even mm. though he was he was raised Catholic, but most people were raised some religion. It doesn't mean anything yeah. about what you grow up to be. But he keeps on making these choices, and I don't know whether, like, do you think he is secretly either, do do you think he has a strong religious opinion, whether that's pro or anti or whatever? Because, like, Left Behind is objectively Mm. a pro-religion film. Like, it's still a fun film, and it's silly, and it's stupid, but the point of it is we are telling this religious story. And, like, uh, knowing which uh, has got a one in it instead of an I in knowing in, in the title, which is, I don't understand why that's there. Usually, if there's a number in place of a letter, at the least, that will signify that it is that part in a series of films. And occasionally, it will be like in the movie Hackers, that was written with a three instead of an E, because it was supposed to be all elite speech and all of that stupid yeah. stuff. 
but I've no idea why knowing has a what. Oh, because it numbers. Got it. Sorry. Because um, it's just about yeah. Because it's all about numbers. Sorry, that was very stupid of me. But it it's it's about the end of the world. So so to answer the question, yeah. I don't know. I I don't believe he has that strong of religious connections. I think that during this time period of his career, I think that um, movies who may or may not be connected to a church of some sort Mm. uh, would pay a lot of money for people, for like actual named actors to be a part of their movies, but no one would do it. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So no one wants to be tied to that really in their career. And I think he was just like, Oh, these these movies pay the most, so I'll just do those movies. Which is fair enough. And the movies are really fun. Like, I mm-hmm. I enjoyed Left Behind for all of its mistakes and for all of its troubles. I, en- I enjoyed it. And I really liked Knowing. I thought it was a very, very fun film. Uh, but the film I really want to see is... Um, you know Nicolas Cage in real life went on a quest to find the Holy Grail, right? Nope, did not know that. <laughs> well... You're welcome. Um, he, <laughs> thank you. Uh, he he went on a real life quest to try and find the Holy Grail, but he went to England and then looked around America a bit. So he didn't go on too. He didn't go on too much of an, a, a deep dive for it. But I want to see, ideally, a ten part documentary series starring Nicolas Cage going on a quest to find the Holy Grail. That would be ideal. Second to that, I want a dramatized version of his quest put into a two and a half hour epic movie with um like platinum dune style money behind it that's that's my goal and as as well as doing the um one person one act play based on nicholas cage as well as defeating all the other podcasts as well as interviewing him and getting him on an episode of this as well as getting ourselves super famous on the front cover of every film magazine talking about nicholas cage as well as all of those i also want to go on a mission to find the holy grail with nicholas cage do you, do you think we can do that I imagine so, because I bet like he's kind of disappointed that he didn't find it the first time. Well, I, all I've got about it is that he went on the mission. It, it doesn't say he didn't find it. Oh, so maybe our quest with him would be a short one. That I mean, that would be great. If you go, we're going to look for the Holy Grail. Oh, here it is. Oh, brilliant. It, it, <laughs> it'll be the most successful sort of like um, es- esoteric quest there's ever been. It would be incredible. But... Mm-hmm. But these these films, um, it falls in nicely. Like, if if audience, it sounds like we're a bit infused and and sort of stumbling. It's because we watched these films over the last two days, <laughs> yeah. really, really quickly. So they're fresh in our head, but we know very little about them. Like, because because yeah. what would you say your overall feelings, your thoughts of Season of the Witch are? So Season of the Witch. Uh, rings to me like a poorly constructed um, Dozen Dragons campaign. Mm, okay, yeah, yeah. So it, 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 the premise is it's somewhat interesting, like, and the twist has some merit to it, you know? Mm. Uh, but the execution was terrible. Uh, the acting is okay, and the characters were okay. What did and what was Cage like? Like, was he his standard sort just, of like? Men- he was there. Oh, oh, really? He was there. 
he 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 was present throughout the film. Mm, yeah. So it did it feel like a paycheck movie rather than uh mm. hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that's a and it really felt like oh, this actor I think except for Ron Perlman, who always kind of, in these sorts of movies, sort of plays the same role where it's like, he's sort of a smart-ass, yeah. dirty dude, you know? Um, and that's what he was doing in this film, but I think everyone else was like, oh shit, Nicolas Cage is in here? Damn. <laughs> Alright, I'm uh, I'm down, yeah, sign me up. Like, oh, Christopher Lee's in here? Yeah, uh, yeah, get me in there. Chris, get me I'm, in I'm the sorry, talk about fucking Barry in the lead. Christopher Lee's in this. Yeah, Christopher Lee, he plays the cardinal that's, like, all uh, black-played up at the that's beginning of the film. incredible. And which which demon was in charge of the witches in the end? I, I don't think it said. I don't think it named a demon at all. Which is also, honestly, like, very... Uh, very cowardly. That's <laughs> a cowardly decision to not like. Here's the name of the demon. Exactly. Wouldn't it be interesting if we knew a little bit more about that guy, Simon? I, I reckon it was probably Simon. The it was my. Um, I think it was my principal from elementary school. <laughs> it's it's so bizarre. Like these. Are, I mm. hope as we go through all the movies, I hope we keep on finding over and over more really bizarre religious films that he's chosen to do because i don't know it suits him i think like this movie had a potential if you told me this movie was made like last year Mm. and it was like in response to like politically in response to like the book burnings and stuff going on in the lower regions of america yeah I'd be like, oh shit, this is like a, this draws some interesting lines and, and parallels to like, uh, they, cause they have some lines about like, you know, seeding knowledge to the people. That's why the books are being made. Mm. And, and then there's like some dissidence with the church that has like an interesting swing to it. But overall, none of it is <laughs> capitalized on and encouraged in any way. So, uh, it just kind of goes. And the movie does go here. I'll put it. It's an hour and a half. Pretty pretty short movie but the pace of it is enjoyable the combat is like okay like the fight scenes are fine like nothing crazy really happens oh my god there's a fucking bridge scene so every movie you've ever watched that has a bridge in it yeah. something happens at the bridge and this this movie will won't let that go oh we can't buck the trend now baby we gotta have something happen at a bridge and something does happen and none of it is interesting (laughs) okay in which case let's buck that trend right away in knowing at one point he travels into manhattan right because there's gonna be a thing and Mm. it turns out a subway does a crash and kills 30 people or something anyway he's he travels over brooklyn bridge which I suspect they just use stock footage for that because the whole thing was filmed in studios and in mm-hmm. real life stuff in uh, Australia around around Melbourne. We watch him. Dr- we watch a car that he's supposed to be in drive over Brooklyn Bridge. That's it. It was just there as an establishing <laughs> shot, establishing bridge <laughs> shot. Nothing came back yeah. to haunt that bridge. It stands to this very day in that. Oh, no, not in that. Ah, fi- oh, the whole fucking world burns to pieces. Yeah, I suppose the bridge yeah, so gets gone. gone. Yeah. Oh, fair enough. Um, fair enough. That brings up a good point that um, in Season of the Witch, mm. they reuse shots. Oh, really? 
and it's very obvious. Like all the <laughs> fight scenes, like multiple fight scenes, and the even the last one, they kept reusing the same shots, and the CGI was. I okay. I don't like to harp on CGI. Yeah. Personally, because. You know, it is what it is. Like, if you don't have a budget, it's hard. Yeah. When you're trying to make something, it's difficult to do practically. Uh, I get it. You know, CGA is an easier method that is expensive. So you take the cheaper option and you just go with whatever you can get to work for the film. And even cheap CGI is very difficult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a difficult process to even make it look like that. When I tell you that in this film, mm. it is it, it is to the extent that it actually negatively affects the film. Like, it, it just doesn't make, it doesn't look good. And it's so obviously, like, not there that it, it hurts a lot. Like in The Mummy 2 or The Scorpion King one. Like, that, that oh, level. The Scorpion King one's awful. Yeah, that level oh, of it. Awful. It's not just, it's not that it's bad CGI. It's that it takes you out of the thing. Like, it entirely... Mm ruins any sense of uh, belonging. And on top of that, like, aside from the demon itself, it was completely unnecessary. Mm. I think that's the part that kills me the most. I think most of it could have been done practically, and but for some reason, like, they just had to do certain actions Mm. CGI'd, and it was but then it's like you were saying last time when we were talking about Connor and the threat of Steve Buscemi's character was so Mm. much more impactful that you didn't see anything happen maybe if you haven't got the budget to get stellar CGI and you haven't got the talent to do practical effects or 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 the budget I imagine that's not cheap either why Mm. don't people have more shots of like extreme close-ups of someone's face reacting to whatever it is they're supposed to see. That's why fucking horror movies are good. Mm, Yeah. (laughs) That's why they're low budget and they're brilliant. It's because they don't fucking do that shit. Exactly. Because they can't afford it, so they have to think of creative ways to solve the problem. Yeah. And the solution is, like, don't fucking show it. Don't show something or use editing in such a way that it's fun. Yeah, so was there anything about the knowing that like stood out to you? No. Um the the only thing which really stood out to me was it committed to the angel thing because throughout the whole film you would occasionally hear the whispering in the children's head and you would occasionally like see figures in the shadows. And it was implying, like, these could be angels, they could be aliens, these could be predators just uh, trying to steal the kid for evil reasons and that. Or it could be some (laughs) sort of government thing sort of uh, chasing them. It kept that sort of open, which I was enjoying and thinking it was fun. But then, at the end, they were like, no, these fuckers are angels. And the spinny thing came down from the sky to take the children away, and the children were carrying, like, rabbits because there's a whole picture but yep well they've got to carry rabbits because it the film one thing i didn't mention which i probably should the whole film works there's this famous drawing from like the 1300s or something from a story in the book of ezekiel which has uh children carrying lambs about four angels and then the spinny thing with the eyes coming down and the sun burning Mm. bright with god in it 
The whole film builds towards creating this image. So you've got the sun like flaring up to destroy the world. You've got the spinny thing, which which is a spaceship that children go in. You've got the children like carrying lambs. You've got the angels who have gone all kinds of Indiana Jones four and sort of like unzipped their human suits to just be angels. And you've oh, got God. Nicolas Cage there going, "I'm gonna die" because he's not allowed to go back. It's not like Cocoon where all the old people go. It's like Bible where only the children are allowed to go. It's like the Pied Piper of Hamelin meets uh, the Mothman Prophecies, meets Bible, meets Lord of the Flies. So that stood out, the the sheer bloody-minded commitment Hmm. to, no, these are angels, and we aren't deviating from that. Okay, you're going to keep it open-ended, so sort of like, were they really? No, we're going to tell you. They were fucking angels. They're flat out. Yeah. yeah. There's no ambiguity. There's nothing. All the mystery we've been building up to. Yeah. Is it like is. This is really about the real apocalypse that God is doing, and these are real angels taking all of the children up to oh heaven. Because, well, best not to speculate, but angels love children and sheep. <laughs> Not sheep, sorry, they hate sheep. Rabbits. They love rabbits and children. So heaven is full of rabbits and children. It sounds an absolute shit show. I'd fucking hate that. Yeah, but what about Seasons of the Witch? What what really stood out? Like, there's a million films like hmm. that, but there must be something different about this. Is there any? Christopher Lee. Christopher Lee. <laughs> Christopher Lee. That was better. <laughs> I enjoyed knowing. I don't know where that's going to tip the scales any, but I enjoyed the film. It's a two-hour film. Didn't... It's worth watching. I would encourage you to watch it. You might not... You you won't love it, but you might go, oh, that was two hours that I had a nice, gentle time. If you've got anything else that you're in the mood for, do that instead. Like, if there's absolutely any activity, if it's like, oh, I'm either going to mm. watch a film or I might go... Yeah, i got to clip my nails, sorry. I just, yeah. I'm a little busy today. If there's basic personal <laughs> hygiene, do that first. Or if it's like, shall I re-watch a couple of episodes of Friends or shall I watch this movie? Probably re-watch the episodes of Friends. But if you're in a sort of like, I want to watch a Nicolas Cage film, which I believe you're in that mood every now and then... <laughs> <laughs> it's been known. There, yeah, it, it has. <laughs> you will like it more than you liked Dog Eat Dog. That's a low bar. It is a it, it is a low bar. <laughs> low, low. Okay, I I mean I have to be honest. Like it does sound like a much more interesting film because hmm. I um season was like it just felt very like A to B, yeah. B to C sort of sort of uh, of affair. So yeah, I think. And he said Nicolas Cage I, I didn't really that, do much in it. No, he he was no he he was a guy. Could have been any dude. Because really, you got to see Nicolas Cage drink probably about ten bottles of whiskey throughout the film in this one. Because that's how he Ooh. he never slept in his bed. He drank a bottle of whiskey, ended up sleeping on the sofa because he was sad and he had mm. like the whole apocalypse of the earth on his shoulders to deal with. Mm-hmm. Yes, he only had a bad dream about killing a woman that one time. <laughs> not like the not the scores of men mm. that he defeated in the name of God. He's accidentally stabbed a woman once. Yep. And that was it. Well, that um, so long as you murder thousands and thousands of men 
because God wanted you to. You're all right. But if you accidentally stab a woman to death, like, and anyone listening to the frustration we have when we're talking about this, the frustration is with them not be. The frustration is with them being okay with murdering all those men. The frustration isn't like, why can't I stab just one woman? That's not. <laughs> that's not what we're angry at i think it it should be equal right like just stab a bunch of women (laughs) and men in the name of god and be okay with it or don't be okay with any of it like exactly can fucking can choose a fucking lane here my man exactly can god just decide does he want people dead or not dead if you want them dead we'll dead if you want them alive we'll alive easy who are we going to have to win this bastard this uh i would i would go for knowing just because i would happily um, do that i wasn't moved at all by season of the witch see i was i wasn't moved i was entertained like i i was definitely entertained and that's a great secondary objective to have yeah in a quiet moment in my life i will happily watch that a second time excellent uh, well i think we've we've come down to the knowing yeah it, i think it got there it did get there. Uh, it squeaked across the finish line it it saw a bunch of numbers it was like oh we're gonna get paired up against season we got this yeah i i really <laughs> really think though that sometimes you you just you just get a feeling somehow like oh wow well, well mm. done you've won you've won this you're not getting through the next round, are you, mate? Like it's, <laughs> It seems almost cruel to go like, here you go, maybe you can be against one of these actually quite good films. Yeah, see what, see how you go with um, old Fight Club or Face Off or Con Air or whatever. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, God, but yeah, it's, these are definitely the films that we talked about before yeah. where it was like, and there's not much to say about this. Like, there's not much to really go on. They don't offer too much, and so I'm glad we got them together at least. Yeah, so so am I. I I like that so far. All of the films we, most of the films we've done, they seem to have been paired in ways. Sometimes through design, and sometimes through random chance, but they mm. seem to be paired in ways that make sense. Yeah, like either thematically, like we've got here, or like two excellent films, or two stinkers, or two films that are part of the same series, like with um, mm. what's the misogyny? Uh, National, National Treasure, Treasure one and two. I just, I just hope that this continues. I'm really looking forward to in a it will be rubbish, but maybe it will surprise me kind of way. But I'm really looking forward to mm-hmm. the ant yeah. bunny. Yeah, me too. I, I. I'm really looking forward to certain films because I think they have potential. Yeah. I just really hope at some point number two of a series gets through and number one doesn't. That's <laughs> like I'm not I'm not gonna lie to make it's that likely, happen. Right? But it is likely. Like I can't Ghost Rider didn't go through, did it? Or did go Oh, I don't think it did. And we haven't watched Ghost Rider two yet. There's a chance that could be against a right stinker, and Ghost Rider Two might be mm-hmm. great. I don't know. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, yeah, it could be. It could be very exhilarating. Who knows? And then, or maybe it will be against some film like the, the Kickass, where although it's a really, that's right, he was in Kickass. It's a fun yeah. film, but he's in it for about five <laughs> minutes. So it's like, does this? Yeah. Like, can that beat a film that Nicolas Cage stars in? It too. is a great role. Congratulations. We'll see. 
to knowing. You have made it, despite your best efforts knowing you've made it through. <laughs> you really squeaked it in there. And I wonder what kind of mental God story will be coming up next. I'm sure there's some more God films. I, I think so. there's, I feel like there's like at least two to four more. There's gotta be. There's gotta be. Yeah. But mm. yeah, um, but what have you got going on to tell the good people about? What what's what's going on? I have so much going on that I don't remember what I've got going on. That's how much I've got going on. And if you want to find out how much I've got going on, is when I remember what I've got going on going on. Yeah. Then you can follow me at <laughs> Thoughts and Flight at Twitter on the Twitter if it's still operational <laughs> when this comes out who knows it's degrading every minute amazing and i'd just like to say um obviously go to gregoraikman.org and get involved with everything there but also uh if in between watching nicholas cage films you're interested in some sort of musical theater i would hardly recommend you listen to the mayor of musical theater by my dear friend and often collaborator and co-writer on lots of projects ian bokert uh the mayor of musical theater where he's just going around like interviewing music theater people but he's got insanely good guests he's got like courtney bowman anna jane casey he's got fucking suze kempler coming up holy shit and like john owen jones like he's getting stupidly big people to come so he uh, he doesn't need any help Magic. but go listen to his thing get him successful like hugely hugely stratospheric and then we'll just ride his coattails and mm. we'll have have him pull us up and then we'll pull the ladder up after us and <laughs> so none of the other nick cage <laughs> podcasts can come up but yeah li listen to that it's really really good yeah that's that's it from me i mean more bible stuff from me all the time but uh yeah that's that's it thank you very much for listening congratulations to knowing would you like to say anything to the people thomas you knowing what do you say we cut the chit chat a-hole!